Good morning, friends. Uh, welcome to today's episode of the Voices for Change radio show featuring your host, filmmaker Tracy Schott, creator of the International Network to End Domestic Violence, Voices for Change. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, producer and promoter of the show on Incandescent Radio and Incandescent TV. And we know you are going to enjoy today's episode when Tracy interviews fellow filmmaker Martine Melou. I'm sure I just pronounced that wrong, <laughs> but she'll, she'll tell you how to do it beautifully in French. She is the woman behind two feature films, which are actually available on Amazon Prime. So after the show, tune into that Breaking and Exiting and Beyond the Sky. Originally from France, Martine was executive vice president of the billion dollar fashion house BCBG before she left that big gig to pursue her passion for entertainment and film. She founded her own production company, Cali Pictures, and she has gone on to produce documentaries for RN Studios and Art in France and is currently working on a slate of projects. So Tracy, take it away. So Martine and I were just talking about her background in um, growing up in Paris and in a bit of a movie family. Um, and so I'm going to ask you again, uh, Martine, if you could tell us about a little bit about your mom and what she did and how, how that impacted you. Yes. Yeah, so my mom um, is a movie critic. She's still a movie critic. She has a radio show actually in oh. Paris. Uh, she writes a lot. She's a, she's a writer. She writes books. She's a, world specialist of Balzac, 19th century writer. And uh, she actually collaborates and, and help, you know, people that make films about Balzac, she's there to help them and as a, as a resource. Uh, there's one that just was made in France. That's why I'm talking about it. But anyway, she went to all the festivals. I was dreaming of going to Cannes with her. Uh, I never did it at the time when I was a kid, but I was always going to the Deauville uh, American Film Festival. And since I was, I think, three years old, I've been, I was going there and I was uh, missing my back to school because it's the first week of September every year at this <laughs> kind of at the same time of Venice. And um, I would beg my mom. I said, I can, you know, their school is all year. I just want to spend the week in Deauville and see all the stars and, yeah. you know, get um, autographs and just hang out. And then I grew, it was funny. At the beginning, I was just like running around when I was a kid. Then I was getting autographs signed. Then I had a camera and I was taking pictures. Then I have a press badge. My mom would give me a second batch. And then I would go see the films and I would go to all the parties. Um, I met some actor, great actors there. It was funny. I, was, I oh, had a good time. Yeah, but but then you went into the fashion industry and you did that for quite a while. And yeah, I don't know. I did. I don't think I realized I there was jobs. I, I don't know that I could work in film. I didn't see it. I saw it more as a hobby, I guess, and more as something I loved. But I'd never thought, you know, it's kind of I needed a proper job. Like, you know, like you call the fashion industry a proper job. It's the same thing as the movie industry. But it's not like going into finance or something. Right. But uh, <laughs> it was just... I don't know, I guess I didn't want a job. And my dad had a friend who had a company and it was like, just go try it out. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, and very cool. And then that I brought you to LA. And that brought me to LA, yeah. I worked there for about 10 years. And then I had uh, the opportunity to speak with Max Azria uh, on the phone. And he said, come over and, you know, for an interview. 
you want me to tell the story? Yeah, go ahead. It's a good oh story. God, it's a crazy story. On a Monday night, I'm hoping to see Max Azria there because I hear he has a great company in the US, uh, BCBG. And I wanted to move to the US for a while, right? I, I went to school in New York, just, I don't know if you know, but I went oh, to, okay. um, I went to college in New York, actually, upstate New York. Uh, I did an exchange program and I did in France, I went to the American University in Paris. Like since I was 11, I speak English. I want to be in the US. I love the US. That's my goal in life is to move to the US one way or another. So I speak with, um, of course, Max Azria is traveling all over the world and not coming to the bar mitzvah. I'm super disappointed. I see his brother there uh, who gives me Max's phone number. On the Thursday, I take all my courage and I call the guy and I say, hey, I'm Martine. Your brother gave me your number. I work in the fashion industry and I was wondering if you had anything for me. And he's like, when can you come? And I'm like, I don't know, when, whenever you want. And he's like, can you come tomorrow? And I'm in Paris, he's in LA, right? I said, so that's Thursday. I said, no, I can't come tomorrow, but I can come Saturday or Sunday. He's like, that's fine, just come, bye. And he hangs up. And I have no idea where he is, what's going on. What I call back, get his secretary. I said, hey, uh, Max just told me to come. What do I do? Oh, just book a ticket. Come, here's uh, the address. <clears throat> uh, rent a car at the airport and call me when you're here. Crazy. Now, crazy. on the Friday was the vacation. It was summer, just before my birthday. Um, on the Friday, I was off for two weeks for vacation, summer vacation, early August. And I was supposed to go to the south of France because I couldn't stand living in Paris anymore. And I was looking for a job actually in the south of France. I decided to change everything, not go to the south of France, book a ticket to Paris, call my dad and say, and my mom and say, hey, I'm not going to the south of France, I'm going to LA for an interview for a couple of days. So I book a ticket and I go to LA <laughs> and I, ride, I rent a car. And I mean, think this is 1999, right? No internet, I mean, no, no, no. Phone, no all this, right? right? I arrive in LA and all I have is the address of the office. And I find myself in Vernon. Have you been in Vernon on a Sunday? <laughs> There's nobody. There's a cop's car and I'm front of the BCBG building and I'm like, I don't think that's my hotel. Right. <laughs> so I call and they said, no, that's the office. You have to go to West Hollywood. So they had booked me a hotel in West Hollywood. Oh my gosh. And Max said, okay, I'll come pick you up tomorrow morning at nine. I'm like, okay. And he picks me up at nine. We go to breakfast at his house. I was hired by 9.30 and my life changed. It was crazy. I was supposed to stay three days. Uh, I changed my ticket. He said, you're starting next week. I said, hold on, I need to talk to people. I have a job, I have a life. I have a son who's four years old or five years old. You know, it's complicated. So for a week, I just dismantled my French life. You know, asked my uh, son's dad if I could move him because we had joint custody and he lived in Israel. Moved him to the US, called my boss in Paris and say, I'm not coming back after 10 years. Wow. Called my parents, hey, I'm moving to LA. <laughs> and the next Monday, in between, I had my birthday. 
And then the next Monday I started working. Wow. Because the, th the thing is the EVP at the time was pregnant and was going to give birth. So he wanted someone to, she was taking care of one of the big department of the company. She, he wanted someone really fast. So the next Monday she was supposed to teach me the job. And now I have no money, no car, no nothing. I'm just, you know, I came, I came for three days, right? With a small suitcase. So of course, clothing is not a problem. I go to the stores, I do what I pick up, whatever I want. <laughs> sure. You're not in a third world country. <laughs> I find an apartment. So I went around the hotel in West Hollywood, Fifth Street, and then found an apartment. The guy wouldn't rent me the apartment. Who was I? No visa. No, no. I said, just call my boss. He called Max. Oh, Max Azria, BCBG. Yes, yes, yes. I'll rent the apartment. Um, I had no money. He gave me 20,000 cash and said, go buy furniture and go buy stuff like for your house. It's crazy. Like it was a dream. Like it was out of a movie. So, you know, I mean, I think the, the, the big lesson there is, you know, sometimes you have to take that leap of faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and not, yeah. be, you know, like and take and do the do the crazy, stupid thing and and see what happens. Look, I've done it twice. Now I moved into the movie industry after a crazy career. So but tell us about no, that. Tell yeah, us you have to do it. Absolutely. So, you know, the little story is that I came in on Monday morning, the next Monday to start working hoping someone's going to tell me what I'm doing because I don't know my job. I don't really know my title. I know nothing. Right. And I just know I'm moving to LA and it's my dream. Right. And I go to the office. The woman is not there and come out that she came, she gave birth early. So she's not there to teach me the job. So Max goes, go to your office. I said, I don't know where my office is. So they take me to my office and there's 15 people there that I'm supposed to manage. And I've never managed anybody in my life. And those people, those 15 people told me I was the director of planning, right? That it's a good title and that, and they explained to me the job and then went on from there. Um, none of them left. I've worked with them for 17 years. It was the, the department with no turnover at BCBG. It was crazy. It was a crazy ride, crazy ride. And Max was an amazing man. I don't know if you guys know, he passed away a couple of years ago. Oh, I did not. And know. he was like a dad to me. So it's, uh, he was, he changed my life. Yeah, so I wanted, just wanted to tell you that. Um, that is so fun. And it's also, you know, again, it's really inspiring. And I think that, you know, it does tell people that, you know. Yeah, sometimes you need to trust. Yeah. You need to trust life and you need to trust your guts and you need to, you know, I always say you follow your dream. That's it. That's only what's worth it in life. It's it's just, you know, do the things you want to do. Life is super short and you never know when you're going to go away. And you just have to make every day special and every day the best it can be and follow your dream. So, yeah. So my next dream was, I'm in Hollywood, by the way. Wait, there's movies here. Wait. Right. <laughs> because that's no, your real dream right no because at BCBG no I used to go to fashion week all the time and we would see celebrities we would meet celebrities like I met tons of celebrities uh became friends with some of them mm -hmm. and I was like wait that's really cool but and then the company was sold it was the opportunity to do something else and I was like I'm not going back to fashion for another 20 years I love the ride I love but I'm not specially interested in clothing right 
but I love entertainment and I'm in Hollywood, why don't I do that? So that's, then that was my second uh, big life change, I'm gonna say, and go from a very comfortable corporate life with tons of benefits and tons of money to being um, what I call a poor independent producer. <laughs> but but yeah. worth it, crazy, crazy worth it. Um, Yes, yeah, so I it had Cali pictures for how long? When did you? Well, I've had Cali pictures since 2016. You've done an amazing work in a very short time. Four and a half years. Yeah. Um, I I basically when I took the decision, um, went back to school first. I went to UCLA Extension because I wanted to um, learn about the movie industry a little bit, right? The business side, I'm a business, more business, a little bit creative, but more business producer. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to learn what I was talking about. You know, I didn't want to come in stupid at a meeting or meet people and not know nothing. Yeah. So that's what I did. And then I was um, trying to figure out how to transition into a new job, mm -hmm. but it was difficult because I was at such a level at BCBG that I could not transition like this. I had to transition like this, right? right? So, right. And that I didn't, I wasn't ready for that. So I decided to produce a film with a friend of mine. And we basically had a script written. She had the concept. We had a script written, hired writers, and then raised the money. And then did the crazy film for a first film it was crazy. Like it's only something you can do when you don't know what you're doing. Right. But now that I know what it takes to make a film, I'm like, how did I do that? You know, my my writing right? my writing no. partner um, Sue um, Lang describes filmmaking like um, getting a tattoo. She said, while you're getting it, it's so painful, and you think I'm never gonna do this again. And then when it's over, you go, well, that was pretty cool. Where do I put the next one? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about tattoos because I don't have any. Me but neither. But my, my, yeah, no, I don't. But uh, I think it's kind of having a baby. Like you're nine months pregnant and you're like going through all this thing, then labor, and then you deliver it. The delivery and the distribution is like labor because it's the worst. Yeah. And then you forget all the pain and you're like, let's have another kid. Yeah. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, you've been That's very busy. And when I look at your your uh, slate of, of films that you've produced and also that are in development or post right now, it's clear that you, I mean, you've got a really um, diverse slate. You know, you've yes. got narrative films, documentary films, shorts, feature films, and episodic television. So what draws you to these projects? Is there a common thread? How do you decide what you're working on? No common thread apart that it's a story that I want to tell. I want to help tell and that I like the people I'm working with. That's my two. I want to work with good people and tell good stories. That's really what I want to do. And it could be anything I have. I don't specifically like horror and I'm doing a horror film because the writer director is a very good friend of mine that I believe in and I love the script and the concept. And, but I don't know if I'll watch the film because I'm scared of her. <laughs> I'm going to be honest for like a week, but that's it. But, but um, women's stories, of course. Um, I, you saw that I have a few, 
but any, you know, breaking and exiting my second film is a small, fun, romantic comedy, dramedy with that I did with great people. And it doesn't have to be an Oscar winning film to have fun. You know, I want to have fun. That's it. It's my second career. Right. So I'm not looking for the laurels and all this. I just want to have fun and, and do good projects. And my role as the producer is to support the creative team, right? So I mean, I'm here as a support role to give a voice and help that voice come out. That's it. So that's, I'm not pretending to be a director. I'm not pretending to be a writer. Um, I'm, you know, I'm the business person behind it that makes everything like easier for that. Well, I, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, this uh, filmmaking is a second career for me as well. My first career was social work and of course went back to school and, and learn the craft, but I learned the craft more on the creative side. So as a filmmaker, I really appreciate people um, like you who really can help, you know, okay, yeah, great concept, but how do you get it in front of an audience? How do you get the film made? What, you know, how do you, how do you, um, take this great idea and make something happen with it. And so I, I think that it's, you know, I always say what I love about filmmaking is it's a team sport. Um, the very best films Absolutely. have really strong um, friends, you know, the people I, I make films with are my friends and we have a good time. I agree. And you make friends making films yeah. um, and you just want to work with good people and, uh, and tell good stories. That's, that's all I'm interested in really. Well, I have to do a shout out to Into Light. Um, so that film was um, recently um, screened at some festivals. You've gotten some nice awards. It's um, it's a biopic about suffragist Inez Milholland and what a powerful film. It's a lot to unpack in 12 minutes. I highly encourage our audience to go find it. I, um, it's on Amazon Prime and it's on the channel called The Archive been distributed we did a great event with the women history museum this summer with 400 people with a panel with it um it's a great story she's she was incredible and we're trying to um to, we're developing a tv series limited series series about her and about all the other women of the suffrage women, women uh, movement sorry that we want to highlight so each will each episode focus on a different woman would oh, is it? different women yeah yeah oh that'll be great yeah and it's I, not that... episode. sorry it's not each episode i'm sorry it's each limited series so we oh, want to yeah. tell her story in six episodes so it would be one season each season i'm gonna say it's gonna be a different woman because oh, nice. one episode is not enough we're not doing a biography we want people to live with the characters and to live the times yeah, so that film was set in 1916, mm -hmm. and um, it's an interesting story of a, a young woman who was very powerful, but history doesn't necessarily remember her. Exactly, she was. She was. I mean, people know her image because she was the woman on the white horse at the front of all the um, suffrage demonstrations, and people know her image, but they don't know her name, and because she died very early, also she died at the age of 30 and um, passed away two weeks before, uh, two weeks after our film takes place, the short film takes place where she gives a speech to President Wilson 
to demand uh, to give the right to vote to women. Yeah, it's a powerful speech. And Amy Walker, I have to shoot out to Amy Walker, who is such an incredible writer and actress. Um, our director, Jessica Graham, who was just amazing. She got a couple of awards. Uh, Sherry Cock, our DP, Emmy-winning DP, who also got some awards. Incredible. We, we just got another award at the Berlin Short Festival, but I'm waiting to see what it is. They said, we have an award. We don't know what it is. I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> well, not today or tomorrow. Well, congratulations on, on that film. And you have another film coming up um, that also uh, takes a historical figure. figure. Um, yep. Why not choose love? A Mary Pickford manifesto. So this yes. is really a film that talks about women in Hollywood. Um, talk to us. What can you tell us about this film? Uh, Jennifer Delia is the director, writer, everything to this film. She's the, the soul of this film. It's an incredible um, narrative biopic about Mary Pickford, uh, early 1900s and the beginnings of Hollywood. And it's it's very, very cool film. Um, I work with two French filmmakers uh, in Paris that are two sisters a document, I call them the documentary powerhouses because they pump about four docs every year for French TV. So I work with them and they work a lot of old Hollywood. So since I've been working with them, I've been you know, knowing more and more and more about old Hollywood. We did a documentary two years ago about Douglas Fairbanks. Yeah. And it's a beautiful documentary. We're getting distribution on those docs very soon. So they'll be available in the US. I'm super excited. Um, and so I'm very sensitive to that period. And then a friend of mine took me to a screening, first, first, first screening, like of the work in progress version of Why Not Choose Love. And I just fell in love with the film, met the director and came on board to help them finish. And we're, it's coming out soon. And we're working on it, and it's going to be an amazing, amazing film. The acting is just incredible. Most people don't film. realize that in the early days of filmmaking, women were very active and had a significant amount of clout in the industry. Not only that, there were more women than men in the industry. So actually, Clara and Julia did a documentary called The Women Who Run Hollywood, who was in uh, Cannes in 2016, I think. Mm -hmm. And that tells the story of all these women that created Hollywood and we're working on a TV series on it also. So we're very, I'm very close to that subject. And it was, it's very, it's interesting times, interesting times. Mm -hmm. um, women do not know about that. What's crazy is that people, I'm not even talking about the general public. I'm speaking about women who work in the industry do not know who Dorothy Asner was, who Frances Marion was, who Mary Pickford was, who, like, they don't know the stories of these women. Right. Well, I, I came across the, the, the story of Alice Guy Blaché. Yeah, because there was one documentary last year, I think, Be Natural right. by uh, Pamela Green. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I had no idea. Nobody knows. So the general public for sure doesn't know. The people in the industry do not know. Um, and I did an event, I showed the film at a private screening two years ago with the, the Academy. 
and there were like about 400 people we did an incredible thing with like moderators and i want to do it again i think now when things are going to reopen i think i'm going to do more screenings of this film because i want people to know about the story of these women yeah. and and to understand that women created this industry and then men and to men came in took it over and erased you know erased the women from it even in film school you don't learn about it no, you don't. Well, you know, it's 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 fitting that today's the last day, or is it? tomorrow's yeah. the last day of Women's History Month, right? And um, again, you know, so often, you know, the stories of women in power just don't seem to make it into the narrative that that is taught. Um, so I'm happy to kind of talk about that, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about it. Um, what so what happened you know when you kind of look at when the stories of women in hollywood slowly started kind of being erased is as holly as the movie making industry became profitable sure. right you know so because the art was like put aside and it was just business and i think that there's a way to have the right balance between art and business yes absolutely yeah. You can't, you can't, it can't be just, you know, uh, just numbers or, you know, and it's not also, you can't also have an industry thriving if it's only, you know, just art, like at the purest form right. and not have a business sense behind it. I'm a business person. In the end, you know, film is a product you need to sell. So you make it the best product possible <laughs> and you, you sell it. But you know, I, I have that very, you know, business mind, I guess, and not like, la, la, la. Well, you know, I got into this industry because I became very aware that um, of the power of storytelling in film. And, you know, as a social worker, I was working with kids one-on-one. -on -one. I had my own kids who were very, you know, I, I could talk to us blue in the face, but they could see something on television or in a movie and it stuck with them and they would sing that song or they would repeat those lines. And, you know, kind of, um, I always said I, I, I didn't really stop being a social worker. I just went to a different audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah a different medium. Yeah. Also, you're still a social worker, but now you're telling your stories through films. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's so powerful. I mean, look at the power of docs this year. Over the past couple, two, three years, people have like documentaries used to be like the afterthought, right? And right. now they've become so powerful, especially with docu-series and, mm -hmm. and the impact is incredible. Well, there's a lot of conversation in the industry in the last few years about women in film, right? You know, both looking at historical figures, you know, like Mary Pickford, um, but also, you know, the buzz about this year's Oscars, right? The Oscar nominations have record number of women. Um, so that's good. That's good. You know? um, but, you know, gender issues still are an issue, right? Um, you know, it's evidence of the Me Too movement. Um, you know, how many women in Hollywood talked about, um, you know, sexual harassment in in the industry. So what's your take on this, where we are, where we're going? Are we on a trajectory to? I think, I mean, definitely better for sure, right? There's been big improvements. Um, and I think it's touches not only the movie industry, but everywhere. There's, um, right. you know, 
he it feels like all the filth is coming out to the surface right it was all like underwater yep. and now everything's coming out and people realize also that some behaviors are not acceptable anymore and not accepted anymore um and i think it's i hope it's going to change mentalities and change you know and it's abuse in every way it's women abusing women also sometimes you know and it's men abusing men and it's not you know it's it's abuse in with a big a it's it's not only one way and it's also in work but it's also in schools it's also we have a film coming out on may 14th called when today ends about um bullying and um and social media and social media you know is great because a movement can just take fire and everything but also it's also negative sometimes because it's a mean to do you know bad things to people right when you uh, talk about them on the medias and everything especially for kids so um i think it's abuse everywhere that's finally people are speaking and finally you know there's a voice and i hope it's slow the only problem is that it's slow we think it's <clears throat> much easier but i think it's still slow you know it's still intimidating if you're in a room and there's only men uh in the in the fashion industry you know it was less men and less of women so it was a little bit different for me and you know most of the men that were there were gay so it was great right. you know it was like all women right. it's like being with <laughs> but, yes, exactly but but in the in the movie industry it's a lot of men that's true and it might be it could be intimidating when you're having a call with agents and managers and there's six men in you right so that's Well, but I think it's better. I think it's getting better. I'm glad people are speaking uh, are speaking up. Um you know, I just don't want it to be I think that there was nothing. It's we're going where it's everything. Now people are also speaking out of turn sometimes a little bit. So I I'm scared about that that it's, you know, too much. Like someone did one word and then their their career is killed because of that. So that's a little bit like too much. And then I think this happened with someone at the Mandalorian that she said something and which is actually true or whatever and then she was erased from the show. I mean, there needs to be some limits, right? But I think it's going to come back and readjust in the middle, hopefully and everybody's going to be reasonable and you know, but it has to go through the extremes before it comes back to something normal. Who knows think- how to behave themselves and have normal relationship people to people whatever the gender whatever your sexual inclination whatever nobody cares we're all made the same we're not aliens so it's well i think that when when you know in the domestic violence world when we're talking about abuse we're not talking about a single instance of bad behavior we're talking about a pattern of behavior that is about power and control so that's where you know it, we see this in you know sexual harassment issues because that's about power and control that's about somebody using their power and control over an underling and it's insecurity is it do you find that and i'm i've always i'm always wondering that i feel like the people that want to take that power are doing it because they're insecure themselves and it's it's a way to assert themselves yeah and i feel like the people that are secure and that are feel good about themselves and that are cool they don't have that need to control people but as soon as you're insecure or you know then you need to feel strong 
And then a, that's where a you very common personality trait for abusers is narcissism, right? And we do you, we remember the where the the term narcissist comes from the Greek uh, myth of the Greek god narcissist who who had to always see his reflection in order because if he couldn't see his reflection he didn't he wasn't sure he actually existed right and well, that's, that's the same concept it's the same concept with abusers and so they're constantly looking for the people around them to reflect back how great they are and they do that by kind of staying in control whenever that control starts to go away then that's when abuse happens um and but it's it's you know abusers aren't monsters you know i should i should send you uh amy walker who did intellect and the director jessica ram they did a great short film that i should send you about domestic abuse yes that had a lot of uh awards and it's very very interesting it's really interesting i'll send it to you i'm thinking about it now well you know the the reason um we're talking on this show is besides the fact that we like like each other and it's kind of fun um <laughs> is you know it's voices for change is really about looking at gender issues and um really what what are the the things in our society that contribute to um domestic violence particularly intimate partner violence sexual assault and how do we change those things and i felt from the very beginning that you know media is very powerful and there's a lot of messages that come out of the media that are not necessarily um helpful sure particularly, particularly to women and can reinforce um that imbalance of power that allows violence to go unchecked in our that's society. true that's true you have to show that's why we want to show you know strong women yeah. right that's why we want to you know, do the Mary Pickford films that are into light about women that have been forgotten and that were so powerful and that didn't. Inez was incredible. She has an open marriage. She had lovers. She was like, she was a man, right? She was, right. she had the power, like you said. And mm -hmm. it's, but they raised her from history because she's not the conformist, you know, woman who's the property of her husband at the time. So, uh, yes, it's very interesting. And I think that the more you show that, you show kids, because it starts there, right? You start, you know, at the beginning, you need to teach kids that you can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. You can be a woman with power and little boys that women are equals and that, you know, there's no use of abusing them and there's no, they're the same as you and they're as strong, sometimes stronger um and i think it starts there so it starts almost with kids show and how you educate with education and school and and you're you're so right tracy that um power of media and power of film and tv shows uh people believe what they see on tv which is scary right yeah. they do <laughs> but they do so it's it educates them right so and so many parents like you know, don't have time to take care of the kids, stuck them in front of the TV, and that's where they get their education. So you need to make sure that what we're showing is appropriate and is sending the right message. Definitely. 
And I, there have definitely been improvements in children's television. I don't have small kids anymore, so I have my son is 27. So, yeah, well, I've been, I, mean, I, I wouldn't know. Yeah, well, I haven't watched children's television for a while, but I got into this business because of children's television. Um, I actually um, tell the story that my husband came home from work to, one day and my I had a, an infant and a four-year-old and I was watching Barney. Uh, the infant was sleeping. The four-year-old was playing with trains and my husband was like, what are you doing? <laughs> watching Barney. And he was like, why? I'm like, I can't believe this is the best we can do for our kids. I could write a better television show myself and he said I think you should I think he just really wanted me not to be watching Barney I think so too <laughs> um but I uh that's and that's how I got into the film business I huh. sat down I wrote a children's television show that I thought was better than Barney um and it's still on the shelf but it it propelled me into this business which um because I was so I was so aware of how um, powerful the medium was. It's, it's um, incredible. I'm developing a, a docu-series about the power of costume design. I don't know if you saw that on my slate. And it's very interesting. Um, with my partners, we have access to a lot of costume designers from all the TV shows, everything from, you know, Unorthodox and Queen's Gambit and all, all those shows. And what, the, what we're talking about is how impactful the costumes are and we want people to understand and see that we want people to understand that there's a subliminal message that's sent through the show through the costumes on you when you first see the characters and when you live through those characters the characters are, are what you love in the shows and the way they're dressed is your first impression of them and they affect you and that's for me it's a subliminal message and what we want to do is bring the light to that message. And we have like three episodes. One, we're talking about the relationship between fashion and costume design. So for example, after an orthodox, there was this fashion of long dresses, long skirts, right? For women. Or when, you know, designers go do, costume designers go do a line for, I don't know, Banana Republic or whatever brand. And then we're talking about the image of the woman in film and TV from, you know, the 1900, 1940s until today and how that image has changed through costume design, right? And then the women now don't need to be naked to be sexy, for example. And then we do the same thing on a third episode about uh, superheroes because they're so important, right? Now with Marvel and DC and how the costumes of the superheroes change same thing. They don't need to be, you know, super sexy to be powerful. And that's basically, and we want to open people's minds so that they pay attention. And since I've been working to the, on this series, I'm now paying attention myself because I didn't really know that world. Um, when I watch a show, I really notice how they're dressed and what I feel about it. And, you know, I, I pay attention. Well, you know, and that even in animated films for children, um, you know, 20 years ago, I mean, think about uh, The Little Mermaid, um, you know, I mean, she was a sexy little thing and her target, their target audience was five, what, five to 10 year olds. And I'm like, yeah. why do we have to sexualize a child? Um, and, you know, it's, it's changing and it's yeah. it definitely is changing. And I think that's incredibly important that we recognize the, the positive changes that are happening Absolutely. in Hollywood. 
Um, but we, we still have a ways to go. Yeah, there's still a lot of work to do. There's still a lot of work to do. Still, we need more women at the top positions in the industry so that they can take on the changes. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's very important. Absolutely. I know as um, as a, a director, producer, storyteller, you know, I look at those numbers of of how many women are, um, you know, nominated for uh, best writer, best director. And, you know, it's been uh, really low and has stayed low for a very long time. And so this year definitely um, looks going to be a change. Out, this year. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be a change. I think, um, yeah, I think Nomadland most probably is going to win. Maybe Koiza will win best director. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see. We'll see. But it's it's going to be interesting to see that. But they have to be given the opportunities. You know, that's the it starts at the beginning. You know, it's great to see at the end and there's one out of that many. But at the beginning, you know, I think that I read some statistics where um, you know, they were given opportunities in short films, but when it came to do a, to doing a first film, then it was way more difficult. Um, and, and then the second film is even, is also very hard. So it's, it's still a lot of work to do, I think. Um, yeah. When you look at, um, the, the numbers of women in film school, I mean, it's, it's 50, 50. Exactly. At the beginning, it's 50-50. And then at the end, you have like 10% or 15%. Right. And, you know, sometimes also, it's also a mentality. And it's, I'm, I, I always say a story on, on Into Light. I had, so I had uh, Amy, I had a women director, I had a women DP. And when it was about the crew, I wasn't sure, you know, the, of course, the hair makeup was a woman. But for example, we were looking for a gaffer. And I have a lot of guys gaffers in my roadster in my, and, and Sherry was like, nope, I want a woman. Nope, I want a woman. And she was like, and so she forced me. And I actually remember that I had worked on my second film with a woman gaffer that I called. And then uh, she came on board with us. But you know, you need sometimes in there's those jobs that there's so little women, we have to do the extra effort yeah. to go. And, and same thing for, it's we're talking about just gender here, but I'm talking about color and talking about everything, right? BIPOC, everything. Uh, you have to go the extra way. And sometimes it's good to have someone that pushes you to do that because you usually go to your friends, you go to the easy, right? Yeah. And and we need to be mindful and think about that and say, no, I'm gonna do an extra effort to to get the, the, the right people. I'm not saying, you know, cast the wrong people and, and get the wrong crew and get the the right people, um, but with diversity as much as you can. Yep, indeed. And it's, <clears throat> it's, it's um, where I am located, you know, in Eastern Pennsylvania, that's harder, you know, there's, sure. there's not a huge film community around here. And um, most of the time, since I've been in this business for 20 years, you know, most of the crew is men. And um, there aren't that many women in this area, you know, like, you but know, as long as, budgets, you know, as long as, as long as you hire the ones that there are, yeah, that there's more coming that mm -hmm. know that they can do these jobs, because many times the women don't even know they can be a gaffer, right? They don't know that they can do this job. That's what happened at the beginning. Women, you know, wouldn't dare be a director. 
when, when in the 1900s, there were so many women directors, right? But they were just like, we forgot about that. And, so, they, and they were, and they were, they were uh, editors and they were gaffers and they, they were doing every aspect everything, of the business. Everything. Yeah. yeah so. so women just know that they can do those jobs and they have to do those jobs. And, yeah. and then we have to make sure that they're being hired. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, so what's next for you? I hope 2021 is going to be a good year. So I have a docu-series I'm shooting in LA in August for uh, French TV called Arte. And it's a docu-series about rap in Los Angeles and how rap and Los Angeles kind of developed together, rap music. So it's very cool. We're shooting for three weeks in LA. And then in September, I'm shooting a my horror thriller uh, in Canada, in Winnipeg. And then October, hopefully, I'm shooting a beautiful drama with uh, Wes Studi, the uh, Native American actor from The Last of the Mohicans oh, in wow. New Mexico. So we're casting the co-lead right now. <clears throat> and then there's a film in Vegas that uh, I'm hoping to put together. And then beginning of next year, I have two big films, one in Spain and Belgium about organ trafficking. And another one, a heist movie um, that I can't talk about. It's, I can't talk about it very much, but it's a big one. So I have a lot of a lot of things, and then those docu series, and then some documentaries. We just we have a, a documentary at Amdocs right now. You know Amdocs, yes. American Documentary uh, Film Festival in Palm Springs. Mm -hmm. So we have a film there right now with Clara and Julia Cooperberg uh, about Anthony Hopkins. Oh, nice. So um, we're working on distribution right now for that also. And then film coming out in May, um, when today ends, it's gonna be, it's a really incredible director called Michael Leone. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant director. He has a film out that everybody should check called American Street Kid. It's on um, Amazon, YouTube, like all the uh, platforms. And it's a beautiful film about kids' homelessness in Los Angeles. And it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking in this film. And then his second film is coming out in May. And then he, we have the third film that's doing the festival round about abuse, actually, in the 90s, in the film industry. Um, called, it's called Famous. It was a play in Los Angeles for all 2019. I saw the play like three times. I love the play. And he actually filmed the play and made it a film and it looks incredible because the play is very cinematic. He loves to share mediums, cross mediums between, yeah. he used cinema techniques on a play and then play techniques in a film. He's brilliant. And this film's called Famous. It's all about um, this actor <clears throat> who's the night before the Oscars or he's getting finally there. And he thinks about all the abuse and everything he has to endure to get there. And it talks about that on the male side, because we talk a lot about the women's side, but we don't talk about a lot about the male side. Yeah. And um, and he basically wants to like say, if, you know, f all. I don't know if I can say it on Facebook. <laughs> f all. You know, I don't care about the Oscar. I want people to know what I had to go through. So it's perfect for this. Um, yeah. So it's called oh, Famous. Wow. It's gonna be oh, incredible. We will check it out. 
and um, we will put a link, Hope, uh, to Cali Pictures so our viewers can check out uh, Martine's other work. And um, I also definitely want to make sure we put a link to um, the, the films that are streaming right now. So we really appreciate you being here, Martine. Thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure. Oh, it's so much it fun. My, it's my first podcast, I have to say. So oh, really well, I'm sure it'll be your last. <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you. And, uh, you know, keep doing the good work and, thank you know, you. women be strong yeah. um, and speak up, speak out. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. And, and don't be afraid to take that leap, right? And yes. And if you're not happy, just change. Just do something else. I don't care. You know, it's do it smartly. Like don't jump and we have no backup and no nothing, but start thinking just, you know, I remember, you know, the last year at BCBG, just thinking that I was going to do my move and preparing. It was just giving me um, excitement, right. And hope and everything. So yes, you just have to be, women are strong. So they're, they'll prevail for sure. Yeah, well, I, I love the faith that you had in yourself in doing this. And, you know, that gives, um, inspires faith in, in everybody around you as well. So important. for Yes, absolutely. Sure. And anybody wants to talk about it, you know, I'm very open. Uh, I'm a, I, I used to say at BCBG, I have an open door policy. Even when I was the EVP of the company, anybody could come and just talk. So, you know, anybody wants to know more about how I did the change or you know, wants to know more about what it is to be a producer, whatever. I'm very friendly. Speak English, French, Italian, Hebrew. Awesome. So they can just contact me on my website and um, I always answer everybody. There's something I hate is when you send an email and people don't answer. So even if it's a no, I always answer. That's the minimum respect you can give to people. Thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for all the great work that you're doing. Looking thank forward you. to watching the rest of your slate uh, and, and whatever is coming down the pike because it's too. clear to me that, you know, it, the, these good projects are, keep coming your way. So that's awesome. Me too. I hope, I hope we can keep doing uh, good work and that, um, you know, entertain audience and, and, you know, put good projects out and, and good voices and, you know, and good people. It's the most important. Well, thank you. And thanks for being a voice for change. Thank you. Thank you for a voice for change. Thank you for what you're doing. I think it's very important work you're doing. Um, and, and I think it's, yeah, I think it's vital. Definitely. Thanks. Thank well, you. Thanks, Hope. Well, we thank look you very much for having me. Absolutely. We look That's forward pleasure. to having you again. Thank you for being so forthright and honest and courageous, being the change we wish to see in the world, which is Tracy's motto. Uh, Tracy Schott, thank you for hosting today's episode, a little bit of a venture from the domestic abuse that we usually talk about, but really important talking about women in Hollywood and what it's like out there. And hopefully we'll have more of those conversations. So you are listening to Voices for Change live on Facebook and it will be coming to Tracy's YouTube playlist and also to voicesforchangeradio.com on the Incandescent Radio Network. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, thanking you again. And we'll see you next Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern for the next episode of Voices for Change.